Our scripture today comes from Philippians, first chapter 27 through 30th verse. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him, since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have the word of God. Thank you. You may have a seat. Good morning, Renaissance. My name is Aswan. I'm one of the pastors here. To all our first-time guests, we welcome you. Thank you for spending Sunday with us. To all my dads, shout out. Make some noise. Yes. I feel like we need some sort of like fatherhood anthem at some point, right? Jeff, we need to think about that. If you're interested after service, see me. We can make like a fatherhood anthem or something that we could all, we could all rally around. Um, As Jordan said, also, I want to be very sensitive to the fact that um, today could evoke a lot of of emotion. Um, Some of you may or may not know, I lost my dad two years ago, and it's an honor to stand here today and and, and preaching on his behalf. Um, I have, yeah, thank you. Um... I have four beautiful children, two beautiful girls, two beautiful boys, uh, and I have put pressure on them to make today very special, because I don't know who the they is, but they don't take Father's Day seriously. Um, But it is bittersweet to some degree, because as much as I love being a dad, I miss my guy. And um, I'm going to do my best to keep it together today, uh, but I wouldn't be the man I am today if it wasn't for who my father was. He epitomized faithfulness, and it's because of his presence in my life that I know what not only being a father is, but being a man is. To daddy, I say, uh, happy Father's Day. In fact, my dad is the one who um, helped me get into karate. He encouraged me right around maybe the fourth or fifth grade. My dad encouraged me to start taking karate and by the time I was in the eighth, eighth grade or so, I became uh, a brown belt, which is one step below a black belt. So your boy was kind of like Bruce Leroy catching bullets with his teeth. Y'all don't know. Th- Listen, one of the requirements to be a part of Renaissance is you have to go watch Last Dragon, okay? We had our membership class yesterday. I don't know if Jordan mentioned that, but <clears throat> you should know that. Um, All of my karate training was intense. Um, Our instructors kind of, they weren't like my basketball instructors where they would sit down and let us do stuff. Our instructors would walk right up to us and make sure our form um, was good and perfect. And I remember one training sticks out in particular. We would have this beach training at Jones Beach. And to all my non-natives, Jones Beach is the beach that kind of like, it's like the water is like bluish gray. You know what I'm saying? You look at it, you're like, is it dirty? I, I mean... You don't, you don't really quite know, 
but that Jones Beach, all right? To all my New Yorkers, you know what I'm talking about. But it was there. We had to be there at some god-awful hour, like 4 a.m. Man, I was, <clears throat> we would stand on the beach, and we would train for maybe half the day, and then we'd get into the water, and we would train for the other half. And I remember the salt water just getting in my mouth, getting in my eyes. I remember the, the, the sun feeling re- like beating down on me relentlessly, and that's why to this day I hate the beach. I just feel like the sun is unmerciful at times. Why would you sit there and let him just pound? I don't know. But, man, I'm, I'm there, I'm, and, and I'm going through all this and all the, all the winds and the waves, and my gi was wet, and the wind was getting, getting to me. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> I'm thinking about it right now. <laughs> Salt water and stuff. Man, the one thing my sensei would say is he would say, stand firm. He would say, stand firm. As the waves and the wind and, and the salt water come against you, I want you to stand firm. And I share this because little did I know that not only did I have to learn how to stand firm as a karate student, but I needed to learn how to stand firm in life. I needed to learn that standing firm was not just a stance that my sensei was encouraging me to be in. But in life, I needed to make some stances and and stand on some particular things. In our scripture this morning, Paul is a a very prominent biblical figure, uh, but Paul is essentially telling us in this scripture this morning to stand firm. And then he's adding in there to stand firm no matter what, no matter what situation. Paul says it like this in, in Philippians 1, 27, whatever happens... Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. And when I hear that now, when I hear that passage now as someone who's been working on his relationship with God Man, I hear that passage and I think about how hard that could be because Paul is not saying kind of stand firm as this cliche and Paul is not saying whatever happens as just some throwaway sentence. He literally means whatever happens and he he deeply means stand firm and we're going to unpack that a little bit more. But when I started following Jesus, there were places that I failed at this big time. I started following Jesus in my 20s, so it was hard for me to just now um, turn over this new lifestyle and now follow the promptings that I actually felt from God. There's a line in one of my spoken word pieces. It goes like this. It says, lust beat me down, man. Fear had me wrapped up. And every time I tried to do good, they would act up. And man, Man, lust and, and sexual immorality, they were ingrained in me. And we're, we're, as humans, we're creatures of habit. So for me, this idea of standing firm in faith, no matter what, seemed and at times seemed like an impossibility. I don't know if you can relate to that, but if, if you don't claim to be a Christian, that may be the number one challenge you have with your Christian friends. You may feel like, man, there is no difference between you and your Christian counterparts. 
And that shouldn't be. And honestly, I'm actually sad for the times when I know God was telling me to do something and I failed at standing firm and I know other people were watching me as I began this new relationship with God. And to them, man, if I could, I would love to sit them down and each and every one of them apologize because that should not be the case. But here's what I've come to learn about being a Christian. Being a Christian is someone who was dead who now has found life. Someone who fails but now has hope. Someone who doesn't have it all together but they don't have to because Christ graciously fills in the gap. And I would rather that over the the pressure of having uh, the success of my life having to depend just on me and my efforts. But this is what I want us to get from our scripture this morning. Paul is saying to a group of Christians, and I want to emphasize Paul in this letter to the Philippians, he's talking to a group of Christians. Paul is saying, when you stand firm in your faith as a group of individuals, everyone is watching and all will see that the church, right, the group of Christians functioning together will be unified. It's together that Christians proclaim their most powerful message. And no, this Christian life is is not easy. Listen, Paul is actually writing this letter from jail, but he's encouraging the church to stand firm, and he's saying stand firm no matter what. Why? Because when you stand firm, you actually give your fellow Christian hope that they can stand firm as well. You also give the person that's watching you hope for an actual, um, a true alternative to what life could actually look like when you are connected to God. And maybe you came to church today expecting to find, God, to find a God that will not challenge you. Maybe you're a Christian who came to church and you were a little mad this morning that God has not been functioning the way that you have expected him to. Wherever you are, my encouragement, this letter's encouragement is to stand firm. By the end of this message, I hope that we're inspired, that we're encouraged to stand firm in our faith. And I want to talk a little bit more about what that means. If we look at the scripture, Paul, in the first half of it in, in Philippians 1.27, he starts this way. He says, whatever happens, say whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And I think Paul is being very careful with his words here. Paul is not saying whatever happens flippantly. He means this literally. And just for a little context, at this time, this is the time where Christians were actually being persecuted for believing in in, in God, for believing in Jesus. They were actually being sawed in half. To us, that's like mind-blowing. They were literally, you know, we say figuratively somebody was thrown in jail. No, they were literally picked up and thrown into jail. I mean, this was a time when repping God and repping Jesus was truly difficult. Yet Paul starts this letter. He says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. That's the task of the Christian to hold on even when persecution is happening. I think about it this way. I grew up in Brooklyn in the 90s, and um, gangs were prevalent. Bloods and Crips were were prevalent, and I had some associates on both sides. 
And I remember the times after maybe a basketball game or something like that, we'd go chill at McDonald's. And uh, one of my associates on one side of the gang would be flagging. I don't know. I, I, I may not, you know, I'm going to educate you a little bit right now. All right? Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. But they would have like a bandana hanging out their back pocket, and that would be flagging. So everyone could see what gang you were associated with. But when someone of the opposing gang, who had probably a higher status, walked in, they would tuck their flags in their pocket. <laughs> so I laugh. I mean, that's literally what would happen. And what did that mean? That meant that they didn't want any static. They didn't want any adversity. They didn't want any problems. They didn't want you to know that they were associated with this particular gang. They were afraid at that time to represent their gang because the adversity they knew was inevitable. And here's what Paul is saying. Essentially, Paul is saying to the Christian, God is who you represent. So when adversity comes, conducting yourself worthy of the gospel of Christ is how you actually represent God well. Paul was actually living that out, living that out, even though uh, Paul was in a jail with no windows and no food, and he was chained to a guard 24-7. He was using those times, those times to give every guard an earful of the gospel. He was looking and trying and doing his best to represent God well. But honestly, for the Christian, here's what I want us to walk away with. There is no situation that should cause you to not represent God well. There is no situation that should cause you not to represent God well. There's no political outbreak. There's no uh, situation. There's nothing that can happen in society. There's no opportunity where you could just take off your Christianity and begin wilding out. There is no situation that should cause you not to represent God well. Well, as Christians, there's not a time where we can just take off our Christianity. And yes, your boss might be getting on your nerves. Yes, money may be a little tight. Uh, yes, someone may have hurt you, and it's, it's, you're really struggling to give them, for, forgive them, but that's no excuse. And I want to be sensitive here, but that's no excuse for you not to be gracious with money. That's no excuse for us not to be forgiving. Paul is saying, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And maybe that's shocking for some of us this morning. Maybe some of you are expecting your relationship with God to go the way that you've decided for it to go, but it doesn't. The passage here helps us see that God, uh, excuse me, Paul is encouraging the Christian as he's writing this letter, to stand firm to, in, in the midst of any situation to conduct ourselves worthy. Now, to all the Christians in the room, I'm not saying that's easy. Before y'all start looking at me like I'm strange, listen, I know what it's like feeling like you want to curse somebody out. Can I get an amen, somebody? Right? I know what it's like to, to, as God is transforming you into this new person, to feel like people are just taking your Christianity for weakness. I know that there are situations. Look, think about, I think about it like this. There were times for me, right, I play scenarios over in my mind, and I'm like, yo, all right, if that happens, okay, I got a scripture for that. 
I'm good. Oh, if, if that happens, oh, nah, nah, that, it's not going down like that. If they do that, if she say that to me, yo, listen, I'm going to take, you know, and I, and I know we get into those situations, but Paul is encouraging us no matter what, conduct ourselves worthy. But here's what I want to say to us this morning. Being a Christian means that you and I have taken on a new identity, which means a new way of living. Paul is not saying that if you fail to live worthy, that it's a wrap for you. And I don't want anyone in here to think that God just does away with people who don't conduct themselves worthy of the, uh, uh, in, in the manner, uh, in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. But what makes Christianity dope, in my opinion, is that God loves those who fail to conduct themselves worthy. And if that's you, maybe you're sitting here today like, Aswan, listen, I, I don't have what it takes. Maybe that's the reason why you haven't submitted to being in a relationship with Christ because you're like, man, I can't do this whole living uh, in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Man, I would say to you, God is saying to you and I, I have made room for you in the family. Now, Paul wants to drive this point home. And in the second part of the scripture, Paul says this, then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit. The term stand firm here is better understood as an army term. Paul is telling the Philippians that they need to get into battle formation. Did anybody see 300? Anybody see 300? I love the movie, and, I, and I'm reminded of the scene uh, where, yo, I love their accents. Sparta, right? And I'm reminded when the Persian army is coming, and it looks like a gazillion people are coming, right? And there's only a couple hundred Spartans, and they're standing there, and they have their shields, and they're in this really dope formation. And as the Persian army gets to them, they collide with them, and they get up to their, uh, to, to their shields, and they're standing there, and they're holding, and they're ready, and Leonidas in that dope accent, he's like, stand firm. He looks at me, stand firm, stand, stand, hold, 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 right? Yo, that, that scene gets me every time. That's how Paul is actually using this phrase, stand firm. That's what Paul means. Paul essentially is saying, um, hey, you, individual Christian, you need to stand firm. He is saying, hey, you all, all of you Christians uh, the, in the whole church, you need to stand firm. When the Persian army of life comes running at you, you all collectively need to stand firm in battle formation. That's good stuff. That's an encouraging word. When the Spartans were standing firm, the strength wasn't in the quantity of numbers, it was in the unity of the numbers. Each and every one of them had resolved that they would stand firm against the Persian army. Isn't that what we want? Don't we want a faith that when we anchor it down and life comes and throwing blows and haymakers at us, that we can stand firm. And if we could add an accent to that, that would be cool too. But don't we want that? I want that. That's what I desire. But let's be honest. 
Standing firm in faith, because remember, Paul is saying not just a, a, a subtle stand firm. He's saying stand firm in faith. Let's be honest. That's difficult. I think about the times that I struggle to stand firm in faith. And for me, the first, one of the first things that I know I struggle with, or the one, of the, one of the first ways I know I struggle when it's time to stand firm is when I want to give up. There's times in my faith, and, and there have been in my walk with God, uh, as I was growing in this new relationship, there were times where I simply wanted to give up. Standing firm in this position, holding my shield from the weight of, the, of my life's circumstances just was getting too much. And I'm like, yo, the heck with this Christian stuff. And I don't know if you're there today, but I understand that that's where we can struggle with this idea of standing firm. It's not easy. And there were times when I definitely wanted to give up. My impulses essentially got the best of me, and I let them win. I just gave in to my impulses. There's another point that I realize where I struggle with standing firm. It's when I don't see the reason, when I don't see the point for actually standing firm. And listen, I, I didn't grow up a Christian per se. Man, I grew up around Christianity, but I didn't really understand the point of not having sex before marriage. Like we, you know, my dad was great and we didn't, we didn't necessarily have like, we had a whole lot of life lessons and life talks. But man, that part of the talk was just like, hey, make good decisions. And I would imagine his father didn't have a really robust conversation with him. And I didn't see the point in some things. There were times where I was trying. I started out really well, like, you know what? I'm going to be a good Christian. I'm going to stand firm. But I, I just grew to not see the point. And I don't, I don't know about you. Maybe somebody's in here today. Maybe you have been standing firm. Maybe you have as a Christian. And you're like, but listen, I don't understand. The, my friends, they don't even care about God, and they're winning. They're killing it. They're exceeding in life, and I'm over here struggling, holding my shield, trying to stand firm. I understand that those are the reasons why we struggle to live into this encouragement that Paul is giving to the Philippians. And the last one for me is when I looked around and I saw that I was alone, or where it felt like I was alone. And, and I realized that, hey, look, I'm trying to stand for something. And maybe even the young lady that I was in a relationship with, she's not even trying to stand with the, on the same things that I am. And I'm looking around, I'm like, why would I continue to stand firm? Why would I conduct myself worthy when I'm the only one doing it? Man, I think about, uh, there's, a, there's an Old Testament guy named Elijah and I think about the times when he, he runs into a cave, he does this big supernatural act, this real powerful thing on behalf of God, and then he runs into a cave. The next scene, we see him run into a cave, hiding out. And you know what he says? He says, I'm the only one who has not bowed down to the enemy. And I, I would imagine at that time he felt all alone. I would imagine there's someone in here today. You've been withstanding maybe in a relationship. You've, you've been withstanding maybe on your job. There's a way to get ahead and it's kind of quite not right. And you're like, no, I'm going to stand firm. But you feel like you're alone. I get that. But look at what Paul says at the end of this scripture. 
Paul says this, then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. And although standing firm can be difficult, Paul is teaching us that we must stand firm in the one spirit. What spirit is that? Man, that's God, the Holy Spirit, that promises to live within the heart of the believer. In our Holy Spirit series here at Renaissance, man, we got to see Jesus say in in John 14, 18, Jesus says to his disciples, he says, I will never leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And so there's a promise that in order to stand firm, God is going to equip the Christian to be able to stand firm no matter what situation you are in. But it gets better. See, before the Spirit could actually come, Jesus is saying that before he's headed to the cross. And Jesus' death on the cross is what unifies the church together. At the cross of Christ is where socioeconomics, race, political views, upbringing, no longer cause division. Jesus on the cross reaches across cultural boundaries, and he pulls the world to himself. And this is where the Christian gets the encouragement to stand firm. This is where the unity of standing firm actually begins to have its power. So when you're ready to give up, when you feel like giving up, you can look to Jesus knowing that he never gave up, nor will he ever give up on you and I. Jesus was literally tortured. He was literally tortured on our behalf. And I could imagine he's in this situation uh, saying that he's going to stand firm. And you know the picture in his mind? You and I. And he says, no, I'm going to bear this. He says, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. I'm going to endure. I'm going to stand firm so that I can draw everyone else who believes in me into that same power and ability to stand firm. I love how Isaiah says this. This is one of my favorite passages that encourages me in times when I feel like giving up. It says this, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. When you don't see the point, When standing firm looks pointless, man, remember the cross. The disciples didn't understand exactly what Jesus was saying when he told them, hey, look, fam, I'm going to go, I'm going to die, but I'll be back, trust me. They didn't really understand that. They couldn't see what God was actually up to. And, And Peter, one of the disciples, has this encounter with Jesus in Matthew 16, It says this, from that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and scribes, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. They heard Jesus actually say this. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Rebuke is just a a fancy word to get at Jesus. He was trying to say, he says this, uh, far Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. 
You are a stumbling block to me, for you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Listen, family, if you can't see what God is doing, man, my encouragement, I would hate for us to give up prematurely. I would hate for us to, to, to resolve that, man, this is all pointless and give in to our emotions. God is saying, Jesus is saying here, because of the cross, um, you don't have to be tricked into believing that this is all pointless. Just like the disciples didn't understand Jesus had to go to the cross, we may not understand what God is doing actually in our lives right this moment, but trust that he is doing it and he is working all things together for the good of those who love him. Jeremiah says it this way. Jeremiah was one of the old school prophets. He says it this way, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. That is what the Christian holds on to. We hold on to God's word. And lastly, when you feel like you're alone, if you are here today and you feel like you've been trying to stand firm, but you feel like you've been trying to stand firm alone, remember these words, Hebrews 12:1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. There is a cloud of witnesses. See, right before this chapter, the Hebrews writer in Hebrews 11, the whole chapter, he's listing all the former saints who got busy on God's behalf. All the former saints who were willing to look death in the faith and say, and, and say yo, come get me. I serve a God that's bigger and better than what this world could offer me. And so the, the Hebrews writer goes down this list of people, and in some circles it's known as the Hall of Faith. These are the Hall of Faithers. And, and what, what I want you to be encouraged by today is the Hebrews writer then in chapter 12 says, this cloud of witnesses, those cloud of witnesses are encouraging you and I. They are the ones cheering us on, saying, Brandon, you can Yo, keep going, keep going. Jeff, you can do it. Keep going. Man, that's encouraging. Would you be those cloud of witnesses for someone else just as these cloud of witnesses are for you? I want to close with this. We're in our series, Enjoy, and we're using, we're using Philippians to help us understand joy. And sometimes... Uh, and, and particularly in this passage, there, there was no like, direct pathway of how to get to joy. But here's something I can tell you about joy. I can tell you, as someone who stood firm, as someone who then, after my ups and downs and my walk with Christ, I got into a, a, a place where I said, Lord, I really want to stand firm for you, and, and I want to make sure that I'm not giving into my impulses. And the times when I've actually done it, the times when I've actually persevered, I look back at those times, and man, I become joyful. I become thankful. I become more and more encouraged, and then I look forward to the situations that I know I'm, are coming, and I actually have this internal paradigm that helps me look, through, look at these situations in a way that I know they won't overcome me. We said joy is a settled confidence and hope, and man, if you continue to stand firm over and over again, joy will get cultivated. Let me pray. God, thank you for who you are and what you do. God, thank you 
for the way that you moved in us. God, we are encouraged by your word today that because of you, we can stand firm no matter what happens. In Jesus' name, amen. Give it up for Aswan, y'all. Hey, sometimes stuff like that, simple reminders that, hey, whatever happens, stand firm, is probably the most profound things uh, we can hear. Uh, There's something that we do at our services uh, here called communion. Uh, I talk to a lot of people about uh, church and like, hey, you guys should have an online service and and broadcast stuff and do this and do that. Uh, And we may get some cameras in here one of these days, but the thing I push back on the most and saying, but you know what? You can't take communion online. Jesus had this ceremony called communion that he started with his closest friends and his followers, which would be food, which would be meat, which would be uh, sustenance to remind you that whatever happens, you can stand firm. That it's good to hear a a message, it's good to, to read scripture, but Jesus also invites us to participate physically with Uh, the things that we say, the things that we confess, the prayers that we pray, and this is something called communion. Now, communion started like this. Jesus was with his closest friends, and he said, hey, this is my body, which is broken for you. And he took some bread, and he broke it. And then he took some wine, and then he poured it out. He says, this is my blood, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of your sins. I've had plenty of times in my life where I did not feel like going forward we're giving up would have just been easier it's way easier and in those moments i need to be reminded that jesus did not give up on me that in the garden of gethsemane when jesus sweat blood uh that he had an out he could have taken the out and jesus didn't take it and he wants you and i to experience that and to remember that that listen i didn't give up on you when the most difficult uh, situation of the cross was approaching, I endured that for the joy that was set before me and that you and I are his joy. And in those moments, it's the cross, it's the garden of Gethsemane that keeps me moving forward. And there are times where I just don't feel like I understand the point. I don't know what, why is this going on, whether it's a national thing, it's a personal thing, and it'd be much easier to revert back to the what, to the ways that I would rather do things. And in those moments, I need to be reminded, Jordan, Whatever happens, stand firm. There's a scripture in 2 Corinthians. It says, hey, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. Therefore, we do not give up. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable, eternal weight of glory. And in communion, we're also reminded that we're not alone. Jesus gives a promise that he would never leave us and he would never forsake us. And the invitation that Jesus gives us is from his nail-pierced hands to receive his body and his blood for us so that we would be reminded in our lives, whatever happens, stand firm. Now, maybe this Christianity thing is newer to you and you're uh, not in a place, you don't even know what standing firm would look like in in your life. And uh, I I think what the scripture would encourage us to do is to to take that step towards Christ. Um, If if you haven't placed your faith in in Jesus, 
we would invite you to remain in your seats during communion. Uh, this is a meal for the family, those who have already committed their faith, uh, their, their life to Jesus in faith. And we would just invite you to sit in your chair and pray and reflect on some of the things that have been said today. Uh, and that you would pray for God to fill you with the faith that you can stand firm, uh, that you would know uh, all of the, you would know the beauty and the depth of the cross for you. But if you have placed your faith in Christ, uh, we would invite you to come at this time to receive his body and his blood for us, that it would encourage us, that it would strengthen us, that it would be food for our souls, that no matter what happens, you would stand firm. So please come at this time.